Hello, everyone, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, as always, from Chicago, where we're waiting for tornadoes. So it's good times over here. Let's hope we can wrap this podcast up before I start flying away. But with me today, as always, is Paul Bickler. Paul, what's happening? Feeling better? I'm alive, I'll, uh, and I'm thankful for that. So, yeah. Yeah, you look better than last week, but I don't think you could look worse. You were pretty darn sick last podcast. So, and with us as always is Gally. What's going on, man? Not too much. How are you guys doing? Ah, uh, not too shabby. A lot to kind of like cover, and the season is finally here. So, yes, the wait is over. So, I'm pretty excited about that. I just wish the transfer season was over too. So, we can kind of bypass the two weeks of last minute speculation kind of thing. But before we get to that, now that the season is here, we can bring back our trivia section. Today's trivia is easy. Last game we played against Norwich score and names of the goal scorers. Bickler, let's start with you. Dude, I don't even. Oh. Hands off Google. I'm so, I'm so bad at this. Uh <laughs> Suarez was with us last time we played Norwich, right? Like, no. Yeah, uh, you are bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking remember, man. I really don't. I'm trying to think. Um, the only the last game I can remember is when Allison went down, but I know we played him after that because that was the first game of the season. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even guessing. I don't know. I'm sorry. Allie, what you got? All right. So I, I don't remember uh, – I don't always remember matches, but I think I remember where I'm at certain matches. And I think I went to visit a brewery during this match. I think it was one nothing, and I think it was Sadio Mane. Damn, dude. Bickler, he blew you out on this one. I'm just going to give the answer right away when somebody is this freaking right. But, yep, that is the correct answer. It was Sadio Mane. If I remember correctly, it's the ball that Lalana came off of Lalana's shoulder and he volleyed it into the left bottom corner, but I'm not hundred percent on that. Does that sound right? The goal galley? No, I, I, I thought it was, and I could be wrong too here. I thought it was a long ball played forward to him and he can't, he brought it down and then he scored and then you know he what? had, a, un, and then we had a painful like 17 and a half minute VAR replay. Yes. So them to awarded right. as a goal. Yes, you are right. I think the goal I'm thinking is a different game, maybe Wolves or something like Wolves away or something like that. But that is the correct answer. Last time we played them, we beat them 1-0 with Sadio's goal. Um, so let's get back to – we're going to talk about the game and kind of like our line, what we expect out of the lineups and stuff like that. But first, I want to kind of talk about the last couple of preseason games we've had there. Uh, kind of like seen a lot um, – I know how much of the games you guys got to watch, if you got to watch an entirety or highlights or whatever. But let me ask you guys this way. So, Paul, let's start with you. Out of these preseason games that we watched, what were you most pleasantly surprised with? Uh, you had to pick one thing. I mean, I, I'll go with the obvious one, which is Harvey Elliott is a lot better at the heart of midfield than I thought he would be. I thought he was going to be a little bit of a problem in the fact that he was better forward, but didn't have like that top end pace to play up top, but he's kind of 
proven that he can plug right into that midfield and, and play. It, it is more of a two-way player than I thought he was. How about you, Gally? Uh If I was specifically talking about yesterday and today in general, I think it would be the play of uh, Taki. Um, and honestly, the play of Taki over the whole preseason has surprised me. I thought he was honestly just on – an extended hiatus before he went back to Southampton or some other club on loan, which would probably um, spell the end of his time here at the club. And I, I think he's probably put himself right in the window to be that fifth attacking player that everybody is looking to have signed. And I think that Klopp showed a little pride in him, a little faith. And he's and he's actually playing in a few different ways, both off the striker and, and then out wide. And he's created goals and he scored them. And I think that's all you can ask for a young player given a shot. Yeah, I think that this just shows by itself, by the way. There was a lot of uh, things to be kind of like happy about because uh, my pick was actually Ox, especially the last couple of games. I've really seen flashes of the old Ox that could really – what. We forget because, sadly, he's had a lot of injuries and he's been out a long time. But, I mean, the, the season we won the title, he's in so many crucial goals and he has part in, like, so many big wins and stuff like that. I think he could be that uh, player coming from midfield causing havoc. And, I, you know, I was very impressed with his strength, speed, energy. I just hope he it keeps going that way. I know, like, in the beginning when he was kind of, like, put into that um, – like the Bobby role, uh, there was a lot of talk about, you know, he's he can he's good at it, he's bad at it, blah, blah, blah. And I don't put a lot of stock in those, like, 30-minute games and stuff like that. But especially the last couple of games we watched, I really felt like we might have the old Ox back, which would be freaking huge for that midfield. Or going forward, I really don't like him in the wing. I like him more coming from midfield, but we'll get back to that. So... How about the flip side on this side? This time we'll start with you, Gally. Like, who was your biggest disappointment? I'm assuming in terms of events, obviously, Robo's injury is the biggest disappointment. That's an easy one. But in terms of players and performances, who would you say is your biggest disappointment? You know, I I mean, if I was going to – this is sacrilegious to say out loud, but I'm going to say it for the sake of the podcast. You ask a question, I'll answer the biggest disappointment is Virgil van Dyke looks human. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, there was part of me that wanted him to walk back on the pitch and be the best player in the world, pinging deep balls from all over the pitch and never looking like he was off the pace. And especially the game against athletic. Um, I thought that Anaki Williams was basically just running off his shoulder the entire first half. And he got put in a few different positions that it made it look to me like he's not 100% match fit, which makes sense. Um, It baffled me that he started that match with what looked like would be the starting lineup against Norwich. Uh, I just think he should be eased into it a little slower. So Virgil van Dyke's human, which is probably not a surprise, uh, but it was the thing that shocked me the most. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think I kind of expected it, so it wasn't as big of a disappointment, but I definitely know what you mean. It's kind of like weird not seeing the same exact guy just because we're kind of like used to it when he's out there with the jersey. But uh, Paul, how about you? Uh, I mean, I'm just disappointed at this point. We haven't moved 
Divock for like four dollars. <laughs> I knew we were going like there. I knew we were going A bag of chips. There. I mean, it's low hanging fruit, right? But like, I'm like twelve pounds lighter than I was last week, so I'll take it. Um, I I'm just like I don't I don't understand. I like this point we're over player quota. Like we just need to like lovingly pack him and send him on his way to, I don't even care if it's just the bus station where he's like sitting there waiting for somebody to come pick him up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's disappointing to know that I guess wolves were circling the wagon and we said we wanted twice as much as they offered. I don't understand that. So yeah, just, just Divock being or anywhere near the pitch right now is a little bit disappointing. By the way, did you just say you lost 12 pounds? Yeah, I'm, I lost 12 pounds since last Saturday. God damn, that is so, ridiculous. Not that you had a yeah. weight issue or anything, but that's 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 a lot of pounds. I mean, I had a little bit of a weight issue. Oh, I, I didn't want to throw you under it's the bus. Uh, you know, when you can't, you when, you, with this. <laughs> when, I, when you can't smell or taste food anymore, it's uh, that definitely helps. Yeah, not that you would recommend it, but COVID definitely helps you lose weight. Uh, but uh, there are other ways you can do what I do and uh, do it really slowly by running your ass off. But so let's get back to, I guess, my disappointment is I didn't lose 12 pounds, but I'm working on that. Uh, aside from that, yeah, I would say I was going to say Divac as well. And I mean, what are we looking at? Abraham just went to Roma. I just saw right before we came on air over here for like 34 million. And doesn't that automatically put Divac at much less than 20 if uh, Tammy Abraham is going for like 34. But I feel like, yeah, if somebody was giving 10, why we didn't take that uh, is beyond me. Uh, but I would say him, I feel like it's just the same guy. And we've talked about this before. It just does not look like, you look at Taki, for example, and the efforts and the aggressiveness he has, even when it's not effective, like you can almost see a try. And I know Diva carries himself like that. Sometimes he doesn't look like he's trying when he's trying. I mean, you can say the same thing about Van Dyke if you want. He doesn't really look like he's trying, but, you know, he's good. Doesn't look, it makes it look easy kind of thing. I just do not obviously get that sense over there with uh, Divac. But if I wanted to kind of like go out and pick a different person, I've kind of been underwhelmed with out of all these young guys performing, I would probably say Nico in terms of his play that I just don't think he's taking the next step. And man, that guy can take a shoulder and fly off like a mile. He just like does not have the strength to be able to like battle going forward and coming back, especially like defensively. But I kind of like was hoping he would make that next step and be almost, you know, we were talking for the longest time, uh, maybe like a season or two ago when, you know, we would see glimpses of him and we were like, Oh, you know, he's trans back up, you know, and everybody was like, then we can move Trent to midfield and stuff like that. And I really don't think we could afford to right now with the way Nico plays defensively, but that's probably like nits picking out of all the performances, probably picking that one. Uh, Divac to me, is the easy one as well. So obviously we're Robo's injury, which is not as terrible as we feared, but obviously not as good as we hoped. I was hoping, you know, the best case scenario was more like a rolled ankle or something like that. That would be like a couple of weeks, but sounding like it would be at least a month or so he would be out 
what have you seen Bickler from the Greek fellow to make you optimistic or pessimistic or both? Uh, I mean, he looks good. Had a great assist today. Uh, like he's, he's had, I thought he quietly had a really, really good uh, preseason, which kind of makes you wonder why we didn't see more of him last year. I mean, I know he had COVID and then picked up a knock, but like, <clears throat> I just feel like, the tread on Rabo's tires have been low for a while now. I mean, he's played almost every single available minute of every competition, regardless of whether uh, Simicast has been hurt or not. But I thought, I thought overall he had a great, um, he did a great uh, preseason. Um, I would love it if he could take corners for us. So he would take a normal corner kick again instead of these stupid short ones, but we will, uh, that's probably another issue for another day. How about you, Gally? Are you like confident with him, like filling in? Obviously, you know, nobody's Robo, but. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, when Robo came in, though, it was Alberto Moreno was playing the best football he had played at the club for 10 straight weeks, kept him out. He got hurt. And then Robo came in. He had the amazing game against City, the 77 yard run. And we all forgot about Alberto Moreno's great three months of the season and Robo took over. I don't think that's going to happen with Costas, but I think Costas comes in and does a job. Uh, he showed today what he can do. He is a better player going forward than he is defending, but I think he can defend. And that's, you know, I, I think his job is going to be to figure out how to link up with the players. He'll probably be the one that's asked to hang back a little bit more. Uh, I don't think both of them will be bombing forward as much as they were in the past, especially as Virgil and the and the team kind of gets their legs back behind them. So maybe Costas is a little more reserved at the beginning. Trent goes forward. Um, and I just think that it's a great opportunity for the kid to show his worth in the team. And in the long run, it could make us really stronger uh, because to Paul's point, no one needed a break more than Robo. And he actually played as much football over the summer between, you know, captain and Scotland as anyone else. So, you know, it's not great to have a guy miss a month and a half, but if anybody needed a month and a half to recharge their batteries, it's probably that guy. Yeah, I guess my, that's my biggest concern is defensively. You see Robo coming in, you know, with his speed and kind of like bailing us out a lot uh, with his like last second slides and stuff like that, that we saw a lot last season and the season before that. Going forward, that's the thing, the chemistry that Robo has with Mane that will probably take some time uh to kick in, but I mean, he played great today. I think, you know, it is a capable kind of backup. Definitely feel a lot better about it in terms of his pace and stuff like that compared to, you know, having to put Milner back there and stuff. I mean, we all love Milner, but, you know, the lack of speed and stuff can sometimes be an issue in that left back spot. Uh, so he doesn't have to stay as far back like you're suggesting. I think he can still push up, but you might be right. He might have... He might be the secondary option to push up uh, compared to like Trent on the other side naturally. But so obviously having seen some of these like games and now everybody coming back, getting some minutes and like Gally talked about earlier, we've seen like how some of the guys coming back from injuries look compared to guys who kind of like have already been there. The 11 is going to be really interesting to see when we take the field against Norwich. So, obviously, the right and left back spots and the goalie is set and good to go. Who is your starting 11 center back 
pairing has it changed since we like we kind of like touched about it on last week and we kind of said you know depends on how fit they are and stuff like that i mean it's looking like right now if we wanted to and if we selected them we could easily start any of the center backs back there because they all have minutes and they played like some long minutes i think Van like like 70 or something like that but i don't know if it's like 90 is what club would want to see but seems like I mean, we have another week ahead of us. If we really wanted to, we can get 90 out of any of the center backs. So, Paul, out of the sudden wealth of center backs, who are you picking for the starting two? Uh, I mean, I guess I'm just not uh, playing. I'm just not ready to roll that dice on Gomez in, in, in Virgil yet. I mean, I just... I don't, to me, neither one of those players look like what we're used to from them. Um, I'd rather have Matip and Kanate, who I think are both completely capable players. Um, yeah, so Matip and Kanate for me. I'm really impressed with Kanate. His, sometimes his touch is a little off, and I'm afraid of those tackles he does when it suddenly becomes a 50-50. And we were talking about our on our Discord channel. I think Rich Kramer is the person who mentioned that you know, it becomes a 50-50 and nobody wants a piece of him. I'm just afraid that one of these times somebody is going to want a piece and that could be like a yellow, if not a red card situation when he goes into those balls. But, man. No, nah, man, he's like a big grizzly bear. He's he's just basically baiting somebody to come get it, right? <laughs> like, it's like a wolf coming in for a salmon and just getting slapped with the back of a paw. It's going to be amazing when it happens. Yeah, I mean, the, the kid's good, and I just like his calm on the ball and stuff like that. And I, I personally agree for that pairing. Uh, might not be our best pairing, but it's the most healthy and probably informed pairing that we would have. Gally, who are you putting back there? Yeah, I mean, you guys, that was where I was going with this, where my kind of disappointment was, was that I, I don't feel you can put Virgil van Dyke out there and have it. Uh, be fair to him honestly I think asking him to play at Premier League speed uh, even though it's Norwich I think the excitement that's going to be there on the first day back in the league with the fans in front of him uh, I just don't think you want to put that on the big guy and he hasn't played 90 minutes to your point Samuki and I just think you start Kanate and Matip I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Gomez uh, until like after the internationals when we have extra matches, midweek games, league cup games, because I think his injury was a lot, um, a lot bigger of a rehab than we made it out to be because uh, he had the setback. And I think he's going to be a bit out. I can see Virgil making the bench, but I think Kanate and Matip are the two that start. And I don't think you can risk it this year with only seven subs on the bench and only three subs to start a guy on opening day. You don't know that can play 90 minutes in the heart of your defense. Yeah, that's a good point as well. The like less options on the side and you're going to have only like probably like one center back on the side. So let me ask you guys this though. Let's say we start with the lineup that we're suggesting and Kanade is having a great start. Does he kind of leap over Gomez automatically, even if Gomez is healthy or once Gomez shows he can do 90 minutes, is that spot kind of like for him to reclaim automatically? I know it's just pure speculation, which I know Bickler loves. So what you got, Bickler? I mean, I always – look, uh, Joe, people forget, like, how good Jomez 
Joe Gomez was before he got injured. And he's an interesting player because he's very up and down for me. Like his performances are super inconsistent. His highs are very high and his lows are very low. And he's still incredibly young. Um, for me, though, Kanate was a better player than Joe Gomez before the injury. And so, like, when I knew that we were in for, like, you know, the big talk was uh, up in the Kano, right? We were going to be in for that. And then nobody really saw the Kanote thing happening. But, like, when that was going down, like, that is a – that's a purchase for your starting 11. Um, and that's not to say that Joe Gomez can't beat him out in competition and win that spot back. But to me, when I stack those players together, Kanate is the better player. Um, we just haven't seen a whole lot of them. And granted, you know, we're going to, he's going to get tested in the Premier League. Um, but for me, um, pound for pound, he's a better player. Um, I, I worry about Joe Gomez's long term future just with the uh, amount of injuries he's had. I know that Kanate, you know, a lot has been made about his injury past. I don't think it's anywhere near as prolific as Joe Gomez's. Um, so I think Kanate is that starting 11 center back to pair with Virgil for the long run. Um, but I mean, it's good to have that depth. Um, and who is to say Kanate won't go down injured? Um, there's going to be opportun- there's going to be opportunities for Matip and Gomez either way throughout the entirety of the season. Agree, disagree, Nelly? Yeah, I, I did. I'd probably agree from the plain fact that even if they're the same defender at a healthy point, maybe um, on the ball, Gomez a little better brute force, you know, in the air, Kanate has a little more power. The fact that Joe Gomez is still waiting to score a first senior goal in professional football um, lets you know, I mean, we, we, we have a center back who doesn't go up on corners to the other end of the pitch because he has no offensive. He offers nothing going forward. And I don't even mean that as creating a play. He doesn't score with his head. He doesn't score with his feet. I mean, we were sending up crazy Nat up there and he was a, a, you know, a magnet for balls, not just headers, knocking things down, making things happen in the box. And I, I think for that alone, Kanate probably pips him a little bit just on raw talent. And he's younger, and he has a bigger, brighter future. I mean, one guy is going to fight to reclaim his spot, you know, as an England center back when he's healthy. And Kanate and Upakano are the future of French football, and they didn't want them to sit on the bench at the Euros. They'd rather have them go play in the under-19s because they thought it would give them more experience for the World Cup in 2022 when – they'll probably be the starting center backs for the French national team, which will probably be favorites. So uh, I think we have a Rolls Royce back there. We got to, we got to use them. You don't keep that in the garage. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the kid is solid. You can tell. And I would be a lot more confident, I guess, if he had like, you know, a healthy, like Van Dyke, for example, next to him. But, uh, but I agree. I think it's like the best way to go for a defensive center back. So I'm assuming we're all on the same page in terms of putting Fab in front of that back four, which leaves two spots open uh, in midfield and obviously the front three. I don't want to kind of guarantee the front three how it's going to be picked for you guys because I kind of want to have the guys like. But before we even select that, let me ask you guys this because I, first of all, I am extremely excited to see a trio in midfield of Fab, Hando, and Thiago. I think that's, I mean, I know it doesn't, for all the 
Coutinho lovers out there or who want like, you know, 30 goals from their midfielders, it might not be attractive. But for the style we play, man, that is like a great trio to have in the middle. But well, as I was like watching the game, you know, you see like Thiago come in, then you see Hando come in and stuff. One thing that, you know, obviously we've been talking about, about lack of signings and things like that. Do you guys think that the urgency to make signings is just wanting shiny new toys or is it kind of like the paranoia of the problem with injuries we always have we feel like regardless of how deep that midfield is we're going to be short so we're like you know kind of tempted by these other names being thrown out or do you guys legitimately think that it is not good enough we need someone better out there Gally, let's start with you on this one. So I think if you asked me this question three weeks ago, a month ago, I would have told you that we needed signings. And my reasoning was that I felt that there were specific areas on the pitch that needed strengthening because I didn't have the faith in the players that were there in front of me. I've watched this team, you know, prepare for this upcoming campaign, and I'm confident in the players that I see. Would I like a new player, and do I think that it would make the team better? I think it would. But to Paul's point, we're over quotas, and not to bore anyone with numbers that no one cares about. You know, you got to get rid of foreign players to sign foreign players, and you got to find ways to sign, you know, homegrown players that make the numbers. And Taki has done such a good job of looking like he can hold down that fifth spot, and I don't know that anybody really wants to be the fifth attacker on a team that barely plays. And I think Harvey Elliott has proven that he is going to play a role in this first 11, first 14, however you want to look at it, this upcoming season. And what are you really buying if you're getting the uh, power midfielder in Keda that you have right now through the preseason? And I know you have to hope these guys stay healthy, Ox, Keda, you know, Harvey. But if they do, this is a pretty deep squad that still has one of the best starting 11s in the Prem when you have Thiago and Henderson added in there. Bickler, what do you think on that? I mean, that's, like I said, this is like a thought that popped in my head, you know, because we, we've talked about it. We all kind of like were, especially, I mean, I personally, I guess I'll give away my answer. I think it is the paranoia personally because of the injuries we've had in the mm-hmm. past. Normally, if we looked at another team that had this squad, we would be like, oh, man, they have, like, such depth in midfield and stuff like that. But even after all that, and we talked about, you know, the biggest disappointment probably being Divac, I still feel like this team needs an impact winger because I don't like Ox on the wing. Maybe that's why. But that can come off the bench. And I feel like it's unfair to do that to Harvey, to expect him to come in and spark up a game and stuff like that. I want Harvey coming in on a game that – we kind of have in hand and he comes in for a pissed off Mo on his way out or a pissed off Mane coming off, like losing minutes and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, well, we're tied. We need a goal. Let's put Harvey in there and put even more pressure on him. But Bickler, what's your take on it? Uh, I mean, I think that you might look at this and worry about injuries and that may be like, you know, your concern. And I think that that's legitimate. It, like in terms of being concerned about that, I think you're in a very, very small percentage of people. I think most people look at this and want signings because it falls into an anti 
FSG narrative about them not spending enough money on the club or, I mean, Chris is in sales, so he knows this very well. I think there's a huge amount of FOMO that goes on during transfer windows Mm -hmm. where people just like feel like they're being passed by, by other clubs that are acquiring, that are acquiring new shiny toys while we're sitting here holding the bag with nothing new to show for it. And I think that's a really like dangerous, like thought process because like, you know, acquiring pieces doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it doesn't guarantee the team gets better. It doesn't guarantee the locker room gets better. It doesn't guarantee the club is better off financially. None of that. And so like, when I look at like, what do people want? If you look at it, it's a crazy mixed bag. People are like, Oh, well, we need a true number nine striker or, Oh, we need a free scoring, a free room goal scoring midfielder. Well, guess what? We don't play a system that plays either of those things. So like if you want to acquire those pieces and they're like, well, yeah, but look what happens when people sit back. We need a plan B. It's like, all right, well, so you want Martinez for 60 million from Inter Milan to come off the bench as your plan B? Because that's not going to work. Like, like no player wants to come B plan B, right? So like you gotta, you gotta ask yourself, like, what do we need for the team and what do we want? And, and is the team going and, and doing enough to make sure that those assets are covered? And, you know, player quotas obviously played into this way big time. Um, but I also think that there's a, a fair amount of trying to figure out the pieces that we still have, um, which probably should have been done already. Uh, but my concern is, is, you know, if we want to continue to acquire all these pieces and have maximum versatility from a tactical standpoint, I still need to feel more confident that Klopp can play with a larger squad. And I'm not sure he can. And like, you know, like you look at Jeremy Doku, for instance, lit it up for Belgium during the Euro 19 years old. The kid is phenomenal. He's a right sided attacking midfielder that we could use to back up Mo all day, but does he want to come to Liverpool and sit behind Mo with no guarantee how many minutes he's going to get. And, you know, you're in Klopp playing a full squad in a rubber match. You know, like we just like that's going to factor into how we recruit, whether people like it or not. You know, that's why we missed out on uh, and DACA, I'm pretty sure. You know, I'm sure he was looking at it, knowing that he's going to get minutes at Leicester, not knowing he's going to get minutes at Liverpool, despite interest. So I think it's a combination of things. I think it is uh, primarily FOMO on most people's parts, but also like, just a lack of understanding on how it works as an actual business. Yeah, I agree, especially for the front. It is very tricky. I mean, I remember I, I put myself in the player's shoes. I remember one of the podcasts, I think I asked Gally and we had Jamie with us that time. And these guys were just like pounding on the young kids, but <laughs> just expecting to, I would not, I think I would go to a team where even if I had trusted myself, and actually, if I really trusted myself, knowing I'm going to go there to, for example, Leicester City, kick ass, and then my next big contract is going to be, you know, to one of the big teams. Because especially if you go to a team that is known for kind of like developing talent further and then selling them for big bucks and then go and getting the cheaper version to start all over again, kind of like what, you know, Leicester does with center backs and stuff like that and wingers, I guess. But yeah, I just feel like that's the only thing this team needs. If they said, "Hey, you know, like you're gonna, you get one slot, fill that slot," I hope that we get someone that you know this scouting team group kind of sees as a long-term solution for the future for Mo Armani. Either way, because obviously they're not getting any younger. 
So let's go back to the squad. Having said that, we have five slots to fill for the 11. Bickler, let's go with you. Who do you have in like the other two midfield spots after Fab and the front three? Um, well, given who's available in terms of who's you know back and had more minutes, I got to think, given his run of form during preseason, you're going to see Navigata in one of those spots. The other one's a little bit trickier. Uh, Harvey has certainly played himself into contention. However, I would not be surprised at all to see somebody like James Milner come into the fray here. I mean, Klopp loves to play Milner's experience next to uh, next to Naby, um, just because Naby can be a bit all over the place. And I think Milner kind of helps structurally in the teeth of that midfield sometimes. So I would not be surprised at all to see Milner and Naby. Uh, obviously not quite as exciting as Naby and Elliot, but I, I don't know. Maybe he wants more stability in that midfield. Yeah, Naby and Elliot does sound risky to me as well. So are you starting our standard front three? The big three is back. I mean, Bobby looked like I would. himself today, but so so yeah. we're going with the front three over there. Okay. Yes. Uh, Galley, who do you have? Fill in the rest of the squad. Uh, I'm going to disagree on the front three. I think Jota's going to start the first match of the season, and I think it has as much to do with Bobby just getting back. Uh, coming in late. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he starts. I'd love it if he did. He looked phenomenal today. Uh, and in his little cameo earlier midweek, he looked good as well. Uh, but I could see Jota getting the start. I think Mane and Salah have both looked absolutely lights out. I know Salah went through the whole preseason without a goal. It means absolutely nothing to me. He was in every good spot all over the pitch. His touch was amazing. He was setting players up. Um, and I think the movement that Jota showed with Mane interchanging against Athletic in the first half uh, was some of the best play I've seen from Liverpool with Robo before he got hurt. So I can, I think the front three will start. I agree. I think Milner gets to start as much because Jurgen Klopp is not going to hand an 18-year-old kid an opening day start, even though he had the best preseason of anyone at camp. I think that's something you continue to build and earn towards. And I think Naby's earned it. And I think Milner will captain the team uh, with Henderson not in the lineup or Van Dyke, give them the stability they need. And you can see through Norwich and then maybe the Burnley game, um, Tiago and Hendo can come back in and give us the midfield three we want. I'm going to go with Bickler's picks on this one. I feel like the fact that Robo is not there is exactly why we would have Mane on the left wing. Uh, just because I feel like there's bigger trust in Mane being able to track back and help defensively if needed kind of thing. And the fact that I agree with Nabi and Milner, Milner just because we know club, uh, I feel like Milner. And I think we will have, you know, Thiago and Henderson in our back pocket if need be to be able to come off the bench. But if you're going to have Nabi's pressing out there, I think you want Bobby's pressing out there as well to kind of like double up in that middle of the field and win the ball high up and kind of like play our our football up there by like winning the ball high and then kind of like countering right away. Uh, so I think I'm going with that as well. I think I'm going Nabi and Milner in midfield for starting and then our usual front three. That also leaves like Jota to come off the bench to bring some spark if needed as well. So... Okay, so having said all that, 
Let's get your guys' predictions for the game, for the final score. If you're feeling really adventurous, you can go with the scores too, I guess. Gally, let's start with you. What is going to happen this weekend? So I want to just put a thumping down and say they come out with a lay a marker, but I'm going to say 3-1 Liverpool. Bickler. Uh, I will go 4-1 Liverpool. God damn, man. You guys are fucking... See, yeah. it's good to be back. I'll be back to my, my pessimist self and you guys can be all this. I was actually going to say 3-1 too, to be honest with you. Uh, hoping for like a 3-1 win. It's funny that none of us are expecting a clean sheet out of this, but uh, 3-1 win sounds good to me. So let me ask you guys this. By the way, if you're listening to this and if you have not done so already, head over to our Facebook page or our Facebook group, LFC America. Uh, there will be a post there and it is pinned actually as an announcement or on top. And you can put in your predictions. Uh, you have until like Thursday or so. That way you can kind of be on record with your predictions for the season. Uh, anything from like player of the year to uh, first manager being sacked and stuff like that. We have like eight or nine categories, I believe. But uh, last season, a lot of us flopped, I'll have to admit. But yeah, throw in your predictions in there. And then our article will be going out late this week, right before the game starts. Your name will be on there with your predictions and you will be on record. So you can say, I told you so, or we'll come back to you and say, you freaking told us this and this is not what happened. So do not forget to do that. Head over to the... Uh, Facebook page uh, for American Scouser or our Facebook group, LFC America. For the season, let me ask you guys this, because I don't want to go over our predictions now and kind of like, you know, affect people's inputs. We'll probably go over it after we go over the game as well next Monday. But what is your guys' biggest concern? And, and if it is like, try to be as specific as possible. So if it's injury, injury wear and things like that. So, Bickler, let's start with you. I'm the pessimist guy. I can go for like hours over here. So I'll start with you because yours will be, a, you're the optimist. What is your biggest concern heading into this season? Um, I guess my biggest concern would be that we don't develop a clear vision of what life looks like after Mo and Mane. And that's kind of a weird answer, but like, I think that like when we look to change, like, I think what was worrying for me last year and take all, I mean, obviously injuries played a huge role in this, but like, I didn't, I didn't see a, a clear vision of how to change a game after, after the 60th minute. And that, and that is worrying to me. Like, so I'm hoping that we can figure out the pieces that we have and how to change a game um, when somebody is stacking a too low block with eight players in the box. Um, because I feel like we, you know, Thiago was supposed to be the answer to that. And I don't think that necessarily, as well as he played on towards the end, I don't think that that necessarily unlocked that box like we thought it was going to. So, to clarify, are you saying like in terms of having a plan B or having different players to continue on implementing plan A? Uh, I guess a little bit of both, but um, yeah, like, yeah, a, a, a better, like a better, clear plan B that's more effective. Um, but also, you know, 
when we're talking about plan B, that's obviously, you know, we have to consider we're going into a plan B with probably, you know, Mo or, or, or Vane or Bobby out of the fray being subbed off or in case there's an injury to the front three, what does that look like? How about you, Gally? Yeah. It, I mean, my biggest concern over the season is the fact that we have to go four to six weeks during the AFCON without both Mo and Bobby. I mean, Mo and Sadio and at the same time, probably Cater. And, you know, I think that that AFCON puts a big wrench in. Uh, Liverpool comes out of the January, you know, uh, period. They always seem to have a lull. We get knocked out of the FA Cup and then we lose a couple games we should win. And I think that's always a time where Klopp starts talking about which and they had a winter break and my boys are tired. And for that to happen at the same time, coupled with a tournament that's going to take two of your best five players out of your roster uh, for weeks at a time, I think is nerve wracking for me. If we haven't seen some real improvement out of the likes of Shota and Taki, and hopefully we have a healthy Bobby. And I think that coupled with what can the kids do? Because I think our plan B to Bickler's point earlier is a little bit of Tiago. And it's a lot of Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, because I think those kids are, are the only plan B. They're the flair. They're the players who come in and do something actually drastically different than the player in the starting 11 ahead of them. And I think they are our plan B. That is how we unbreak and unlock those low blocks. And that to me is nerve wracking because we're going to put a lot of faith in a couple teenagers. Uh, but if, if Jurgen wants to play them, I can do nothing but support it. Sounds like we all have the same concern and it's mostly going forward as opposed to defensively. I think that's, I mean, I kind of agree with what Paul is saying. My concern is more like, you know, we might get an injury up front and we really don't have a plan B in that sense. And, you know, really don't want to put that pressure on a Harvey to come in, you know, start because, it's part of being young, right? The inconsistency is going to be part of the, you know, young players thing. I mean, you're going to play a couple of great games and you're going to have like a, you know, like a flop here and there. That's, you know, it's part of like the learning curve. And that's what makes a player to me like a star is the consistency of how good they are on a regular basis. And you can like depend on them, but that's probably like my biggest concern is if we have the scoring issues we had last year and we kind of saw glimpses of it unfortunately in the preseason so you can kind of say like oh tired legs from being practicing and stuff like that but we still had a lot of issues with like finishing in the preseason galley was talking about it earlier about mo not scoring and you said oh but he was there well going back to what paul was saying in terms of like low block teams i mean we kind of covered it during the podcast i wouldn't say like in three four different episodes throughout the season and our front three was in the top three of the premier league in terms of you know goal chances like not finished and like clear goal chances not finished whatever the category that premier league defines it as i forget now but they were in the top three and it was, you know, all three were in the top three. I think we created chances. We just could not finish. The mojo was not there somehow. I don't know if it was, I mean, obviously it's part of it is confidence and that's why it was happening. And that's my thing. That's why I still feel like this team does need somebody who can come off the bench 
as a winger and be able to bring energy and maybe they'll be on a roll. I know we're hoping Jota is that per player probably, but I still don't see them uh, he, him as a winger in the same way Mo and Mane are for some reason. I just don't know if it's the speed. He I mean, this- he can take on players a lot better, but just does not have the speed maybe. Yeah, he had the second highest uh, expected goals ratio in the Prem last year, Jota, coming off the win. I mean, he was he was statistically one of the best goal scorers in the Premier League last year. Now, part of it was he was injured, and he came on so hot at the beginning. Um, and if you look back at his time with Wolves, he was never a pacey winger. No, but he always he beats people with his tricky movement. Even that, you know, that flick that he had with with Mane or where he scores off the Mane flick uh, in the match, that was 100% because he anticipated that play. And I think that's the one thing Jota brings. Jota is a natural poacher, striker. He can score from the wing. He can actually create a goal for a teammate. And I think he is a perfect foil for the front three because he can play in all three spots. But I'm with you. I would love an out-and-out goal-scoring player to come in and really just change the actual dynamic to play through. And I don't think they have that. And it would be amazing if they finished the window signing it, but I'm not so sure it's going to happen. Yeah, because it goes back to kind of like what Paul was saying, like who are you going to sign that all three of us are going to be like, yep, he's like an excellent thing. I mean, it's going to be a young player that is still going to be a, probably a question mark, right, Paul? I, I would think so. I mean, I would think that's what makes the most sense to me, but – I don't know, man. We could turn around. If we, I, I have no idea. So gut feeling, is there a signing in the next two weeks before this thing ends? Or we're kind of like this is the last – I mean, heck, we played two games in two days with different 11s, so there's definitely depth in that sense. But uh, gut feeling, any new names coming in? Or this is what we're rolling with, Gally? What do you think? Well, I swung and missed last week when I told you we'd have a signing to talk about this week. So I'm not <laughs> going to go that far. Uh, what I will say is this. Divock Origi couldn't get in a starting 11 when they played two games in 48 hours. And Shakiri and Nat were left out of today's lineup strategically, and they admitted it. Right after Klopp said there might be some stuff happening. I think there has to be at least one incoming signing. Um I'm not sure what position it will be, but I think there will be one. I don't think it'll be anything flashy or uh, big name. The more I think about it, I think the connections to the kid at West Ham make all the sense in the world. The Jared Bowen kid, he plays both right and left footed. He can go to either wing. He shoots with both feet. He's played through the middle and the front two. And most importantly, he'd be about 10 to 15, 20 million tops. He comes from an older relegated team like Hull. They tried to get him once before. And he works his socks off every single time he's on the pitch. And I don't think it would take him a year to get into Klopp's system because he knows how the Premier League works. So I, I, the more and more, I think it could be like a right at the end of the window signing him. It'll be nothing that fans will be happy about and watch him go ahead and bag 15 goals and make everybody look stupid. Is that the plan B you're looking for there, Paul? <laughs> I just don't like, I don't love that signing. Look, I know we had a great year at West Ham, but West Ham has like, that's the, like West Ham plays Taylor fit for a player like him. Like he pumps balls in uh, from the channel and, you know, they had Suchek in there just banging them in all, all year. Like uh, you've got, you know, Antonio in there, like just kind of like chipping in on those balls. I just don't, 
I also don't know why the hell he'd want to come to Liverpool. He's not like he's a locked in starter at any mid table or even upper mid table team. And he's not anywhere near the starting 11, in my opinion, at Liverpool. So I don't know. I, I know I'm just not as high on him as Galli is. I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as to why he would come. Like um, what makes a lot more sense to me is that Matt is probably on his way to Brighton. Um, Shaq is hopefully on his way to Italy. And we're just all we're doing is just trying to figure out the conversion rate uh, from you know dollars to euro for Mbappe. That's like all we're doing right now. So I was he's excess now that Messi is there, so we can take him off yeah. their hands. Yeah, I, yeah. So, but your gut feeling, Paul? Are we getting somebody in, or Mbappe yeah. is the gut feeling? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get a player, and that's the gut feeling. So I heard he, I, I'm excited about that because I heard he's good. That's that's the word out there. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll still have people uh, complaining, saying like, "Why didn't we get Messi with him?" or something like that. People will find something to complain about. But yeah, I just still hope you know we get, like, say, an alternative for the front that is not named Divock. Like, thank you for your services. Have a nice day. Ten million sounds good to me if that's what's being offered for him. But well, gentlemen, this time next week we'll be talking. After hopefully a Liverpool win, uh, we'll kind of go quickly over our predictions as well. Uh, kind of like take a look at like some of the other teams, maybe uh, when we're going through those. For all the listeners out there, head over to the Facebook page or the group to throw in your predictions. And let's hope this is yet another title year for us. Gentlemen, thank you so much as always. I have survived the tornado so far. Let's see how it ends. Uh, if I'm not blown away by that, we'll be here next week, same time. Have a great week, guys.